Project IMG podcast, the voice of IMGs. Hello, everyone. I am Shivani Mehta, your host, and you have tuned into the Project IMG podcast, the voice of international medical graduates. Today, I have a guest who is an international medical graduate from Ecuador who matched into internal medicine in the United States. So from Ecuador to working as a PGY2 resident in John H. Stroger Jr. Hospital of Cook County in Chicago, Illinois, I present to you Dr. Pierre Rodriguez. So Dr. Rodriguez, how are you doing today? Hey, how are you, Shivani? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Just happy to be here. (laughs) How is residency going? Uh, it's going, it's going, <laughs> it's going well, actually. So I'm a second year. I'm about to go uh, into my third year of residency, internal medicine. So, yep, I'm happy. Just as I told you before, just getting ready for fellowship now. <laughs> and what were you trying to, um, you were, you were telling me that you were applying for fellowship in Hemong. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm getting ready my application, you know, like in the process of getting the letters and, uh, doing a little bit of research, uh, I'll be applying for Himong. That's, that's honestly, I am so like excited for you, but that is such a long journey and it's so much hard work and so much time that you've put into this. Um, we are mainly aiming to just get into residency in the first place. You're already <laughs> ahead of us. <laughs> I know, I know, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And you guys are going to be there. It's, it's just a matter of patience, wait, and you know, you're going to be there too. Okay, so for our listeners, can you just tell us, um, I know you said that you were a second year resident, which hospital are you in? I'm at uh, John H. Stroger Hospital of Cook County in Chicago. Okay. Uh, yeah. How do you like it there? I love it. I love it. I think that um, one of the strengths of my program is the diversity in the population and also in all the residents that are residents from all over the world. Uh, so it's very good. You get to learn from every culture, from everybody. So it's it's a nice place. I'm very happy with it. And people, like they're super smart. So we hang out all the time. So I think that's what I was looking for. I, I was telling the other day to some of my friends that I think that I found my happy place. So. <laughs> that's amazing. And it sounds like the hospital is very IMG friendly. Is that correct? It is super IMG friendly. It is super IMG friendly. Yes. That's from good. all over the world. You can find people... Uh, like Europe, Asia, America, like there's Colombia, Venezuela, Honduras, Guatemala, Mexico, Pakistan, Nepal, India, Myanmar, China, South Korea, Turkey. So it's really great. Well, you basically just listed out a good portion of the world at this point. Yeah, It is very IMG friendly. And I think that we found the perfect person to talk about the hospital and to tell us more about um, your journey as an IMG and how you got to um, secure a place um, in the United States as a student. Thank you for being here. Anytime. Okay, so can you tell us more about yourself? I know you said um, that you are a resident, but like aside from being a resident, can you tell us more just about you? Yeah, so, well, uh, well, I'm Pierre Rodriguez. Yeah, you said it. I'm from Ecuador. I'm from South America. I went to medical school in Guayaquil, which is part of the coast of my country. Uh, I graduated in 2016, but then it is kind of mandatory for all of us to do one social year to work, uh, you know, like in underserved areas, in rural areas. So I finished that by the end of 2017. 
Uh, and that's when I decided to come to the U.S. Initially, I didn't really, I mean, I, I didn't really have idea of all the process. So it is something that I learned through my rural year. And then I decided to come here. And I have a brother also who is actually about to go into last year of medical school. Oh, wow. How exciting. Yeah. And he's getting ready also what he wants to go into neurology. So, yeah. oh, wow. That's great to hear. So we have like two IMGs from one family. That's yeah, great. Yeah. That's really great. Um, okay. So I have, a, I have like two questions that kind of branch off of each other. Um, what sparked your interest in medicine in the first place? So when I was in school, when I graduated my high school, I was like, okay, should I do medicine or should I do something else? And at that time, my father, he had a heart attack. So I remember we were, uh, no, he made it, by the way, like he's still alive, he's still with us. <laughs> so um, it, it, was, it was kind of interesting because we would spend most of our time in the hospital. I remember he was in the CCU. We were sleeping at the hospital all the time, just to know, to get some updates about him. So that's when I decided that I wanted to go into med school because I think that I really wanted to kind of made it, make an impact in my own family. I think uh, we have a very significant family history of like coronary artery disease, my grandfather. And then my father, I remember talking to him once. He was like, I would like you to be a doctor. And I'm like, sure. I mean, why not? I really like it. I really, I really like that too. And that's probably one of the things that marked me. And it's like, okay, let's just do medicine. Let's see. And then when I went to med school, I just fell in love with it. Uh, maybe not first year, anatomy, like those subjects were not like super fun. But then second year, I did microbiology, biochemistry, and I fell in love with those two. And then med school in my university, it was seven years. So it was kind of different, right? So then I went to fourth year, I did internal medicine. And that's when I'm, that's exactly the moment I said, okay, this is for me. This is what I want to do. Because uh, you were already talking to all the, the patients as a medical student. We had a little bit more of freedom. So we, we, we had the chance to do procedures. We had the chance to do HNP to all of our patients and just... I don't know, like all, all, all the things that I learned as a fourth year medical student in internal medicine, I'm like, okay, let's do it. That's crazy. Wow. Wow. I'm hearing this story for the first time too. So I'm, I'm in awe of just how you um, made your journey here. Um, so you said that you weren't sure that you wanted to come to the U.S. So what made you want to come to the U.S.? So that's 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 also i think it's my family i always wanted to go to spain and uh so i come from the public university so we don't really have a lot of information about the usa most of the people from my university if they were going to a different country they would go to chile or argentina or spain i think it's because of the language uh we don't really have um we, we don't we don't study medical school in english uh, so it's, I'm guessing it's just something that's kind of hard to hear from. Uh, so when I went to the rural during my eighth year, I had a friend, she's actually my best friend who just matched into pediatrics. And then she told me, oh, what about the USA? Like, you know, this is, I have a friend. Uh, he told me that the USA is also great. We should try to give it a bad. I'm like, sure. I mean, let's try it. Let's try it. And then we started reading a little bit. And then that's when I 
started reading a little bit more about these Kaplan books for, um, you know, like all the USMLE step one. And I found that interesting, actually. I was like, okay, I mean, why not? Just a challenge. Uh, and then I talked to my parents because we know that this is a little bit more expensive compared to Spain. Uh, and I think that that was important for me as well uh, in my final decision, in taking my final decision, because my parents said that they would support me if I wanted to come to the U.S. Not that they wouldn't support me if I wanted to go to Spain, but they would be like, oh, you know, Spain is probably like, I don't know, 12 hours. So it's going to be hard for us to go and see you or like visit you. So why don't you try the USA? I mean, we think that that it would be a better thing for the whole family. And then just also think about your brother who was at that time in, I believe, first or second year medical school. So maybe he's going to try to follow you as well. So it would be good for you guys to kind of be at the same place instead of one going to Spain, the other one going to uh, the USA because he went to the private university and usually in the private university, they are sold this idea like you have to try and go to the USA all the time because they do have some subjects in English. So, yeah. Uh Okay. So then um, you said that you, uh, you were taught in Spanish. So then yeah. like came to studying for step one, step two, step three. How did you manage that? It was horrible. I still remember the first time that I like after I paid for all the books and the courses and everything, I was like, all right, let's do it. And then I opened the book, Anatomy, and there were so many things that I had never heard of before. So I was like, what did I do? Like, is this what I really want? Uh, but I mean... It was too late for me. I'm like, okay, now you have to do it. You have to do it. There is no other, you don't really have any other opportunity. You don't have any other door now. So just start studying. And I had my best friend with me. We would be studying the whole time. We would be, uh, yes, I, I remember I had my cell phone next to me. I was like translating everything. Like there were some words that I didn't know of. Uh, but thanks God it all, I mean, it all came well. It's, I cannot complain. Do you have any advice for any of our listeners that are coming from either Spanish speaking countries or come from countries where they're not taught primarily in English? Uh, I think YouTube is everything. Yes, absolutely. Again, I always had my cell phone with me and I was trying to like, like translate some words uh, or just read different web pages about like a specific topic. Um I mean, I knew English from before, so that's why it wasn't super bad. I had to practice a lot, yes, because I hadn't been, you know, like practicing English from at least since high school. And that was like six or seven years ago by the time that I came here. Uh, I think that I also found it very useful to try to talk to everyone in English, even if they were a Spanish speaker. It's, you know, like I was like, no, let's practice English. I was, I used to watch a lot of YouTube videos about different topics and then you would get, you know, like used to the pronunciation and everything. So I think that is very important. Okay. That's very interesting. Like I can't even imagine like the amount of, you basically had to relearn medicine in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's exactly why I say we, I had to relearn medicine in English. And of course, I mean, when it comes to the clinical question, it's not as hard and it's not as difficult. But I remember for step one, the anatomy questions, the like, I don't know, those little details about embryology or like that's the part that I was suffering the most with. 
uh, immunology, like those sort of things were like, okay, kind of similar to, but yeah, it, it, it was a still a struggle. So, but I mean, I, I made it, if I made it, I'm like, if I made it, I'm sure anyone can do it too. Like anyone can make it. <laughs> um, okay. So what was your uh, timeline like when you finished medical school and then you decided that you wanted to come to the United States? How much time did you spend, um, whether it be on step one, step two, step three, or even the application process for residency? So again, I came, I remember I came to the U.S., I believe it was August 2017. So I took my step one, step to seek, and step to CS in 2018. Uh, I started by step one, then step to seek it, then step to CS. So by 2018, I could have applied that year, but I did not apply uh, because I didn't really have any medical experience in the U.S. I didn't have any letter of recommendations, uh, at least from, you know, like doctors in the U.S. And I didn't want to risk it. You know, this is an application that is, is very expensive. Uh, and even though my parents gave me their support, I didn't want to, you know, just apply knowing that I might not match. Okay. So by the end of 2018, when I had all my steps, then that was the next struggle. Try to get U.S. medical experience because, you know, uh, you, 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 you can, I'm guessing you can get a lot of medical experience by paying to some offices, but I'm not sure if you can actually get a very specific or personalized letter of recommendation, which I have found is probably one of the best factors, like one of the factors that impact the most in your application to have a letter, a strong letter that really talks about you and not a genetic letter. Uh, so what I did by the end of 2018, I started to email most of the hospitals in the area. I was in New Jersey, New York. So I started to email people from all around the New Jersey, New York area, especially doctors that I knew were also INGs that were practicing now, uh, hoping that one of them would answer me. Uh, and then I would also talk to different people that were, you know, like kind of in the same process. Or some of them, I remember, were applying that year, so they had a little bit more, more of experience. Let's say they were one year ahead of me. So they had been doing some observerships already, and it was like, for me, you know, like, is there a way that you can recommend me so that I can start shadowing initially? So that's what happened to me. That's when I started doing some observerships with some uh, with a Venezuelan doctor in New York. And then uh, I started sending emails also to doctors from my country that were practicing in different states of the U.S. And that's where I got another opportunity. I did an observership at Baylor University Medical Center back in Dallas. And that was, again, a cardiologist, an interventional cardiologist that was Ecuadorian. So I think that that really helped me a lot. I didn't really pay for my letter of recommendations or for my observerships. I was very lucky. And I know that's I believe that's probably the most difficult part of all this application process to try to find people that can help you, that allow you to uh, you know, like shadow them or be an observer and then offer you or agree to kind of write a strong letter of recommendation for you. Um, so then I think it's, we're in 2019 now. I had to go back to my country because of visa issues. And um, I applied with two U.S. letters, 
one Ecuadorian letter, which is one of my mentor's letter. That's the person that I used to teach assist for in internal medicine in my university. And he's actually the one who always told me, I remember when I was in fifth year med school, he was like, you should go to the US, you should do USMLE. He trained in Argentina, he's a concrete uh, and internal medicine. So I'm like, okay, I mean, but at that time, I, I didn't really, I didn't really kind of dig more into that. Uh, but he was always supporting me, telling me like, you should do it. And I'm like, okay. So he wrote a letter for me because I worked with him for like four or five years, teaching, assisting, like fourth year, no, fifth year, sixth year, like probably four years. Uh, and then the two other letters. Um, and that's it. That's when I applied 2019. And I ended up here in Chicago. Mm. Well, that's, that's, I don't know how you did it. That's actually a very long journey. Um, yeah getting to there and especially because like you mentioned it yourself that uh finding u.s clinical experience is difficult i mean there are very like there are various companies out there that are willing to help you and connect you but if you are not trying to pay money and if you're trying to find opportunities they're still out there right yeah, like, they're still too. find them and um but do you think that um i don't i think the first one that you mentioned was a private clinic is that correct that was a private clinic, uh, uh, but that was a doctor that had affiliation to one of the hospitals in New York as well. So, you know, like when she was doing her letter, it would also be, you know, like the, the assistant professor of, I don't know, like A, B or C hospital. And that hospital was in New York in Manhattan as well. Okay, because a lot of people, like I've been seeing that a lot of people um, they they tend to find experiences, but then they are kind of hesitant to go for them, especially if it's like a uh, like a private clinic. And like, of course, um, going for a hospital has more value. But I mean, I guess what I think I'm getting from you also is that U.S. clinical experience is still U.S. clinical experience, even if yeah. it's a clinic, right? Yeah, I mean, you're still you're still getting to know your patients in the U.S. You're still counseling treating them in the u.s system right like in fact what is one of the tests that we are supposed to take or that we were supposed to take before is a step to see us and that's basically the private office right right uh so yeah i mean i think it is it is it is important to get some inpatient i got some inpatient at dallas uh but i got mainly outpatient and then most of my inpatient was actually in ecuador uh, and that doctor, again, I mean, he, he wrote the letter basically explaining everything that I would do, which is also very similar. Like now taking everything into account, I mean, a resident here in the U.S., some things are a little bit different, but at the same time, a patient is a patient here in Ecuador and in any other part of the world. So if you have good manners here or in Ecuador, it should be the same, right? Like uh, you're still treating a patient. So, yeah. Okay. And what do you think? Like, uh, you haven't mentioned research. So did you have, uh, any research on your application going in? I did a research. I didn't really have any research at all. Uh, again, unfortunately my university, we, we didn't really work on any research projects. I had no idea what research was and how important it was for some programs when you came to the U S. Uh, if I take everything into account again, is it important for your application? It probably is, 
but do not focus your application only on research. I think that there are so many other things that you can try to, you know, kind of make stand up. You know, like it's, 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 the application as a whole is not only research. That's why there are different components. That's why you have clinical experience. That's why you have USMLES scores, which are important if you don't really have a lot of research. Uh, the letter of recommendations, a strong letter of recommendations. Uh, I've seen a lot of people in my program that are excellent people, excellent scores. They don't really have research, but they have very good manners. And I'm guessing that that was something that was explained during the letter of recommendations. Um, so it's just, uh, you know, it's a mix of everything. So yeah, I didn't really have research and I still got, uh, I, I still got invitations from university programs. Uh, like it was, it was not something that I was looking for. It's not something that I wanted to do at that time. So that's why I didn't really end up in a university program. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's again, it's 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 a mix of everything. So yeah, don't don't let yourself down just because you don't have research. Try to work on different parts of your CV or your application to make a you know like to make yourself a better candidate. Okay, so I think we can say safely that it is possible to match without having any research on your application, as long yeah. as you prove to. Uh, I guess the program director and the program that you have like good communication skills, everything else in the, you know, humanitarian, compassionate, yeah, ticked yeah. off, then you're a pretty good candidate to go into the volunteering. Uh, volunteering, if you have a chance to do that, it is very important. Uh, I remember I was asked in a few programs about research. And I think that, you know, you kind of try to answer in a way that they don't. They, they know that it's not that you don't have research because you didn't want to do it, but just because you didn't have the opportunities. Not everybody has the opportunity to be, I don't know, like a, a very prestigious hospital doing research. So I'm like, I'm open to do research. Uh, I think that if I'm given the opportunity, I'm going to put everything into it. I know how important it is to have research, uh, but that shouldn't preclude you from getting a position to start residency. That makes sense. Okay, so like you were talking that like you have to present yourself in a certain way that like the the program directors and the program themselves have a good impression of you and that is this person gonna fit and it's gonna work well with all my residents? That's what I was picturing myself. Uh, that's probably what I was thinking the PD would look at me, right? So just try to be the very best of yourself. I don't think that you have to pretend to be someone you are not because then you're not going to be happy in that place because they're not going to hire you from who, for who you are. They're going to hire you for who you were during that interview. Uh, so I think it is very important. Uh, try to get to know a lot of information about that program so that you can uh, make a lot of questions. If you can talk to some of the residents that are currently there, because you're going to find them everywhere, like LinkedIn, or like you can just find them and start asking questions about, you know, what is the methodology? What do you do for morning report, for noon report? Is there anything that you think that I can ask? So they really show, they, they, they really see that you are actually interested in that program, right? 
because you're going to be training there for the next three years. I mean, this is a big deal. It's not uh, like four months or like six months. It's three years of your time. It's three years of your life that you're going to be working with them. So that's important. And just be genuine. You know, that's pretty much it. Okay. And what would you suggest for students that have like red flags on their application, whether it be low scores, no research, um, failures, step attempts, anything? Yeah. I mean, I think that if you persevere, you'll get it no matter what. So if you have low scores and no research, then you have to try to look for something that you know you don't have in your application again because your scores are done. That's something that unfortunately we cannot change. So then do research, uh, try to get connections, try to, again, get in touch with people that are from your country or people that you know can help you and give you the opportunity to show what you're capable of. I believe a USMED score is not going to define who you are as a doctor. Uh, there are good test takers, there are bad test takers. So it doesn't mean that because you got a low score or a fail attempt, you're not going to be a good doctor. Try to work on the different parts of your application that can somehow shadow the part that is your weakness there. Get volunteering, uh, do research, uh, try to get U.S. clinical experience, make connections, try to try to make it look more, you know, like to, 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 to look better for whoever is looking at that saying, okay, you know, maybe this person doesn't really have the best scores, but this person has all of these other attributes that I think would still be good for our program. Uh, yep. Okay, so let's say if a person um, is applying uh, applied the past match cycle and did not match. Do you have any advice for them? Yeah, I mean, that is something and uh, that, that's something that you really have to be looking for because there is a reason why you didn't match. So you really have to try to understand why you did not match. I had some friends who have not matched in you know, like the, the, the prior cycles and they did match this year. Some of them actually sent an email to the PD or the people they interviewed with, hey, you know, I did not match. I would like to receive any feedback about what you think. I, I wouldn't say I did wrong, but if is there anything that kind of was a red flag in my application or in the interview uh, that you think that I could improve for? So that is something that they did and they got some feedback from different doctors in the places where they interviewed with. Uh, then again, I think that's probably the most important thing and I found it was fantastic because it's all about feedback in this, in this process. Uh, and then try to work a little bit more. Again, your scores are done. That's something we cannot change. Try to work a little bit more on things that you do not have volunteering, research, try to get a little bit more of clinical experience in the place where you want to match so that they know who you are. And always try to be humble. You know, like I think that that's also very important. We already, we already have a difficulty coming to the U.S. and we have to try to be very humble because that's what they're also looking for. It's not all about scores and everything that you have done. It's also about the quality of person, the type of person that you are. Okay, that's great advice. Thank you so much. Um, so I'm going to backtrack a bit um, in the application process and go from the interview to the personal statement. I know it's a bit of a jump, but um, anytime that I've seen um, the match, when the match cycle is starting, everybody is 
trying to um, figure out what they're putting on their personal statement, how they're going to word it, how they're going to present themselves. Because let's not forget when, uh, when you're applying, the personal statement is basically you before they even uh, think about giving you an interview. They do read it. They do read it. Everyone reads the personal statement and they do ask you questions about why you put that in your personal statement. And as a matter of fact, that is something that I did also because I didn't have research and I specified that I would love to have the opportunity uh, to learn and to try to be a little bit more stronger in something that I consider was my weakness during my application. So I already specified that in my personal statement. And then I think there are so many things that you can put in your personal statement. As you said, you are already introducing yourself. In my case, I started with a case that really, really was important for me. Uh, and that's exactly the moment that I decided that I wanted to do internal medicine. I think that you have to introduce yourself as why you are a candidate. And I'm not talking about because I'm hardworking, I'm smart, because I think everyone that comes to the U.S. is already hardworking. Like the fact that you want to go to a different country and fight for your dreams, that already makes you a hard worker. But about what are those attributes in the specialty that you want? Surgery, medicine, pathology, neurology, that you think is going to make you a good attending in the future. Uh, so I would talk about that. Um, I would also talk about my family support and how important they were during all of this process. Uh, because you are a human. I wouldn't talk about my scores. I wouldn't talk about my research. I'm sorry, like my clinical experience, because you already know that. That's, that's why you have the letter of recommendations. They are going to talk about you as a doctor. I would talk about me as a person and now why I think I would be a fit for the program that I wanted. If you are very interested in a very specific program, I would also recommend you guys to do a special personal statement for that program and why you think that you would fit into that program, which is not like the generic one for the specialty that you're looking for. Uh, so that's what I did in my personal statement. And I also talked a little bit about the, 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 the chance that I wanted to have after doing medicine, uh, why I was looking for that program specifically in terms of fellowship. So that's when you can actually personalize a little bit more your personal statement in, in like in any specific program that you want to match with. Okay. So like what the, what I'm getting from what you said is that you want to present yourself, not as a doctor, but as a person, but when it comes to you being a person, do you think, um, like hobbies or something like that should also come into play or you should just present yourself in regards to kind of linking back to being a doctor, but indirectly talking about that. You can always talk about your hobbies. I don't think it is super important because I mean, I believe that there is a part in your application that also talks about your hobbies. So in your personal statement, you try to put things that are not going to be in your application, right? Yes, there are some hobbies that might be related to the specialty you want. I remember I used to love riddles and riddles are also kind of internal medicine. You're looking for clues and everything. So I'm like, yeah, that's one of the hobbies that I did put in my personal statement that I liked to, to, to play when I was a, a kid. And that's also how I found my passion for internal medicine. But there are some other hobbies that I didn't put there. Like I'm a baker, I'm a cook. I, I love to play the piano and those are things that I just put in my application separately that were not in my personal statement. 
and they do talk about it. Like if you're putting your hobbies, just uh, that is another make sure that you have proof that you do that. Yeah, I remember. I remember there were some programs that would ask me about my baking skills and they wanted to see pictures or about what I used to cook or about uh, the, the pictures like photography. They wanted to see pictures. So be ready for that. Okay. So it's not a good idea to just put things that you think that they would want to see. You have to be very yeah. honest in your application. Yes. Put, put yourself out there. Yes. Uh, however insignificant things might seem, but you want to put it on your application and say, listen, this is me. Um, and this is what I will be coming to the program as. You don't want to like portray yourself as somebody else, right? Absolutely. That, that's great advice. Thank you. Um, so now uh, I know we've gone through step one, personal statement, interview. Um, for residency, like for the people that matched this year, do you have any advice for them um, as incoming new residents? Try to take advantage of every single moment that you have until residency starts. <laughs> Don't stress yourself studying a lot because all the knowledge will come. Uh, just try to enjoy because residency can be very tough. And be prepared. Be prepared to have difficult encounters with your patients. Be prepared to learn. Be prepared to hear feedback from every single person you work with because that is something that they do here all the time. And always come with the, be the best attitude. You know, you're coming here to learn. You're coming here to give also. Uh, so that's probably the best advice that I have. Don't get frustrated. Don't get stressed by, oh, I need to study all of this because I'm going to be doing residency. There is just so much knowledge that you won't have by the start of residency, but it will come. It will come uh, during the first few months of residency, and then you'll be a better doctor. It, it, it would all come together at the end of the day. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, I think that's all the questions I had, but... Sure. Do you have a message that you want to give to all of our listeners? Um, what, like, no matter where in their journey they are, whether they're going through step one, step two, step three, or getting ready to apply or trying to just find U.S. Uh, experience, do you have any advice or anything that you want to tell them? Sure. I mean, again, guys, if you really want this, if this is truly what you guys want to do, you have to work hard for it. Uh, Things are never going to come if you don't work for them. You have to try to do your best all the time. You have to try to impress people by being you, not by being someone you are not. You have to try to understand that, again, you're going to be here for the three to six years of residency plus fellowship. So you want to be in a place that you know you're going to be happy. So I think that that is a very important that you always keep in mind. It doesn't matter how good or bad applicant you think you might be. Just remember that they, they, they really want you. By the time that they offer you an interview, they already want you. So you should be happy and you should feel proud that you're getting the opportunity to interview with them. And always persevere. I know it can be difficult. I know there are some applicants that uh, might not have the opportunity to match in one cycle, but it doesn't mean that you are not meant for this. It just means that it is not the time for you. So just persevere, try to do different things that are gonna, again, give you the chance to come to the US and 
yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you so much for taking the time out and doing this podcast and helping IMGs and guiding them. This is really nice of you. And on the on behalf of Project IMG, I would like to thank you for doing this. Anytime, Joanne. Thank you for this invitation. Thank you so much. <laughs>